0: Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you, if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. We have a wonderful show today. With our show every week, we always have a main topic. Then we have a training segment and a hunting segment. This week, the title of the main topic is the $500 hunting dog. Then we are going to do... Why sit means sit, and we don't need the word stay in training. And then the last part for hunting is drought scouting, getting ready for the upcoming season. That is what we're going to have to do here in Wisconsin. So I hope you guys stand by and listen. I also ask you, if you have a topic you'd like to talk about, please send us an email to sportingdogtv at gmail.com, sportingdogtv at gmail.com, and we can use one of your topics possibly for an upcoming show and also while I have you on here please give us a thumbs up five-star rating share our podcast and if you would like support our podcast financially through the anchor uh, link in the podcast explanation or the podcast uh, title and you can help us as we try to spread our love for dogs to more people so let's get to our first topic which is The $500 hunting dog. This is something that I hear every year numerous times when people will call for a dog. Our Kennel Soggy Acres Retrievers, sells American Competition Line Labrador Retrievers. Our males run competition. And the females all have wonderful pedigrees. We do all the health clearances on them and we have a very fair health guarantee. When people will ask a price on a dog, which our puppy price is two thousand dollars, I will invariably get back from some of them. I can't believe that that's ridiculous. I paid five hundred dollars for my hunting dog or I paid six fifty for my hunting dog, and they're basically trying to i guess poke fun at the fact that you have a product that is priced at where it's at so what I always find interesting is those same people, if you talked to them, and generally speaking, when it's on a phone call or email, I don't pry because if that's their belief, I just wish them luck and, and move on. But if I was at sports shows and people would say that when Pete you're at a booth, my question would always be, what kind of shotgun do you have? And the same people would say something like a Benelli Super Black Eagle. And what kind of a duck boat do you have? Oh, I have this great, and they would go on detailing this $20,000 duck boat. What kind of decoys do you use? Let them walk into where they basically talk about the tens of thousands of dollars of hunting gear they have and then say the most important part of your hunt is picking up your birds. So you're telling me that you don't have a cheap shotgun because you want a shotgun that's going to shoot better. You don't have a cheap boat and motor because you need something that's reliable you don't have cheap decoys because you want the wonderful looking decoys that have paint that will hold up for 10 years but yet you're going to spend very little on your hunting dog now does that mean that you can't find a hunting dog for a lower price no it doesn't but when you're looking at buying a hunting dog you need to In essence, look at it as you're buying a product, just like you're buying a car, and many times there are costs behind that that you just don't see. I will have people that will contact me and say they want to get into dog breeding, and I never dissuade anyone from it, but I'm very honest with the costs. If you have just a dog that you want to breed to have a litter of puppies, let's say it's a female, you are looking at needing to, one, raise the dog until it's two years old. Then you need to get the hips and elbows cleared, which is an x-ray, and then you send the x-rays to the orthopedic orthopedic foundation of animals. You need to go to a canine ophthalmologist and, again, get their eyes cleared and send that to the orthopedic foundation of animals to get a clearance number. You, depending on the type of breed, will have several genetic tests that you have to do. With Labrador Retrievers, it is exercise-induced collapse and canine neuromyopathy. And now you're finally at the point where you can get all the clearances where your dog can be bred. At that point, you're well over $1,000. And that doesn't include your normal vet, fee- vet fees for a year, food, purchase price, and everything else. So, as a dog breeder, usually, if you are doing things right, you're probably about With purchase price and everything three to four thousand dollars into this before you even breed the dog and mind you that doesn't guarantee the dog can be that the dog can be bred and will have a litter of puppies or a big litter of puppies so you're then turning around and people will say it's profiteering it's not profiteering if there was so much money in dogs and doing it the right way there would be so many more people that were in it for the long haul I've been in the dog world and had a kennel. got my first dog in 98. (coughs) I can tell you on one hand, I can count the number of kennels that are still around that were around in 1998 when I bought my dog. People will get into it and they find out there are a lot of costs. I don't want to say hidden costs because they're pretty much blatantly out in front of you, but there's costs you don't take into account. There is a small litter. There's a litter where you have a C-section and you have to pay three to $4,000 for an emergency C-section. There's infections that can happen with the dog's girl parts where the dog would have to be fixed or put on a long course of antibiotics. There are so many different things that add to the cost that in the big scheme of things, it's not just about that litter and the puppies that you have. It's about the overall cost in totality and looking at that and that's how you need to look when you are buying a puppy. You want to buy from someone that is doing things the right way because if you have a dog that is well bred and you have a dog that has a good health guarantee that is going to put you in the best possible case the best possible scenario to have a wonderful animal that you can enjoy for a decade or more to come. Now if you have a male dog my goodness. Then you get into, if you want to run them in hunt tests, you will have people that say, yeah, I want to have that cool dog that does blind retrieves and multiple marked retrieves and stops and handles. And you have to explain to people, if you're putting your dog with a pro and you're running them to a master level or to a finished level, you probably will have fifteen to $20,000 wrapped up into that dog. Again, these numbers are big numbers. And that is why, when people look at it and they act like people are profiteering for having a certain price on a dog, they don't really know what they're talking about. It's an ignorance because they don't understand how it works. I do try to help explain that to people, but most of the people, when they make these comments, are so set in their mindset, in in their mind frame, that it it wouldn't make sense to sit there and argue with them. It's just a say, lovey, good for you, and move on. The other reason that, when you look at getting a puppy, why you should go to a reputable breeder and you're going to pay more, I get even more calls than the argument that I have a $500 hunting dog about people that have tragedies. I have talked to numerous people that have had their dogs out, where the dogs are running, it's warm out, they're having fun, and all of a sudden the dog collapses and its back end doesn't work. And it looks like it's having a stroke, but it's only in its back end. That's exercise-induced collapse. That's because the people did not do EIC testing or genetic testing on that dog. I've talked to plenty of people that have had health issues, hips, elbows, eye issues with their dogs because the parents weren't cleared. Again, when you don't have these clearances, that's why you're getting this dog on the cheap. I've talked to a lot of people who will call and say, my last dog had severe allergies. I need a dog that does not have allergies. Now, does that guarantee that... Out of the thousands of puppies over the years that we have placed in homes with families have and have never had an issue no you can't I guess be perfect in everything albeit there's none that I know of there could certainly be some out there but with that said there are certain breeds or certain people breeding even that have dogs that have major issues almost like a mange to them and it is such that people need to realize when you go with someone that is doing this for a living and that is great stock and great dogs, that is when you're going to get that great puppy. When you look at pedigrees, realize when you see that pedigree with all the titles, FCAFC, HRCH, MH, QAA, when you see those titles, that is showing the talent of the past dogs in, that, in, in the lineage or the pedigree. And it would be the same as if you had two people who had never done anything athletic and they have a kid, and then you have two Olympic athletes that have a child, which child will be more apt to be an athlete? Of course, it's going to be the person or that comes from the parents that were Olympic athletes. Dogs are the same thing. If you look at that pedigree, you've got all the titles, you've got all that ability, and on top of it... These dogs have been bred, year, bred generation after generation, with health clearances that were needed. You're going to have a healthier chance, or you're going to have a healthier dog, a better chance to have a dog with wonderful drive, and you're going to be happier in the big scheme of things. I don't know where or what I was reading when I saw this, but it said that the normal person spends between fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on their dog from purchase to the dog's death. I would say it's probably pretty factual, it could even be more. If you look at the purchase price itself, that is the smallest part of the equation. And if you look at the fact that by having a purchase price that is more because that person has went through and they've got all these clearances, that is going to put you in a position where you're going to spend less in the future. So that will be it for this part of the show, the $500 dog. I hope I help help you out with these stories or explanations so that you can make a good informed choice in the future. If you want, go on our website, soggyacres.com. My lovely wife actually made a sheet that has a checklist for what you would want from a breeder with a dog. And it's something that's just there that can help. There's also a lot of information on our site. We've tried to put as much or as many questions that we normally get From clients, whether at shows or from personal clients of the business, we've put those questions up there to try to help be more of a resource. So that is there for you to use. Now next, we're going to have our training segment and we're going to talk about the concept of sit and not using the word stay. All that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere. But she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Jeff Fuller, again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies, as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. So we are going to go back and we're going to look at my start in training, which was just having my first dog, which was a pet, and the concept of the different commands that I used. When I first got started training, it was just something everyone did. You tell the dog to sit, and then you say, stay, stay. As I started training dogs, I realized the stay command was something that, honestly, is not needed and is redundant because if you tell a dog to sit, they need to stay seated. What you need to do is work with the dog on sit and then give a release command, whether it's giving them a command to come to you or giving them a command like okay, or having any word that is specific to a release, but having it so that the dog understands it sit means sit right on its butt and not move. This is kind of, it's basically it's your power command. It is the command you're gonna have for the ultimate control. When I am doing my training, everything centers on sit because sit means that you are going to stay stationary. And I never use stay, even though, as I critique people, that use stay, I did when I got started. It's just what people did. And now when I explain it, I'm like, listen, if sit means sit, we don't need stay. So it is keeping them seated and then using your either prong collar or your e-collar. That if the dog starts to get up, you give them the command again and correct them immediately. Once you are giving corrections, if the dog does get up, you are going to eventually put them in a mode where they understand, I can't move off my butt because I am going to get corrected. And that's when you have that sit command and you have that power command where the dog is going to stay seated and not move. This is one of the, if not the most important command that you have when you're doing your training. So it's something that we work on. It seems simplistic, but in the big scheme of things, most people don't apply it properly because they're allowing the dog to get away with freebies. So use your sit command, work with them on it, and reinforce it, and you'll have a much easier time when you're doing your training. That's it for the training tip from this portion of the show. Next, we are going to go to Drought Scout, all that and more coming up after this. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville, they've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to talk about our hunting tip, which is going to be called Drought Scout. It's kind of the theme for this year. We are in a drought up here in Wisconsin. Albeit, we seem to be catching up on rain. We're supposed to get uh, another inch here. I'm hoping that it's timely in the fact that it comes in so that my uh, food plots for my deer uh, start to grow and do not die. Hopefully, it wasn't too much of a drought for too long. I actually lucked out in the sense that I planted my uh, my plots late. So I think it should be good. Probably will have later growth on them. Um, but I think September is supposed to be a warm according to long-term stuff. So it could be something that works out really well for me and, and our hunting property. But with Drought Scout, we are going to go up this weekend and we're going to go look around on our property and look for areas that have water now. And I'm going to mark them on my mapping software. Uh, like everyone, you can use Google Maps or I actually have an app that shows property boundaries. I'm going to go, I'm going to mark the different spots that I think will be good. That still have water now so that when the birds do get there, I'm going to know where they're going to head. I know on one part of the property, there is actually a, uh, a spring. So I'm going to go in by that spring and I'm going to kind of explore it. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to see how big of an area it is. I believe it's only maybe 10 yards wide by 10 yards deep. I'm going to see if it is that big. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see if there's birds in it. I'm also going to see if it expands at all or if I can expand it somehow, which it's a wetland, so I don't think I'm going to be able to expand it. But I'm going to check that as well as a couple of other areas that have often been wet because even though those areas didn't always hold birds in the past, I really think that with where the water is at, it's going to be a winner for this year. So again, getting out now. We're getting toward July. Our teal season starts September 1st. I'm going to really start putting time in to make sure that I'm scouting, finding places birds can be, and then going back and checking those places if the water levels do stay low just to see, are the birds there? I want to thank everyone for coming to our show today and listening. Again, we really appreciate your support. If you can, give us a high rating. Share us with your friends. If you can monetarily support us, please feel free. If you have questions, as I said in the beginning of the show, email me, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. We really appreciate everyone stopping in. Thank you so much. Everyone have a great weekend, and God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun.